So as we begin, I just want us to try to view the world as Jesus would. Um, it's not very easy to do. I know it's not very possible to completely do that, but to our best ability, let's try to see the world as Jesus saw the world. I really like how one commentator put it. He said, we need to see as Jesus saw and feel as Jesus felt so that we will do as Jesus did. So let's begin. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest, who send out laborers into his harvest. <clears throat> so let's uh, look back again at verse 36. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. At this point in time, Jesus is beginning to make a name for himself. If you look down um, earlier in chapter 9, you see Jesus doing a lot of different things. He's doing a lot of miracles. We can see him healing uh, blind, mute people, uh, people who are lame. Um, we even see uh, the Pharisees uh, coming at Jesus and questioning the things he's doing. And uh, Jesus also sits down with tax collectors, one by the name of Matthew, which he invites to come along with him on this journey. So word at this point is spreading fast about Jesus. Um, people are curious, who is this guy? What, what is he about? Is it true, the things that I'm hearing? Um, can you really heal uh, these diseases that I'm hearing about? Because of this, uh, in the beginning of these verses that we're reading, we see these crowds that are coming towards Jesus, um, many of which are likely just seeking to be healed. Uh, we don't know how large the crowds are, um, but I imagine they're large enough that Jesus isn't the only one there that has seen these crowds coming in. Uh, but something that's really interesting in the verse, it doesn't mention anyone else seeing the crowds. What it says is he saw the crowds. And I think it says that because he didn't see the crowds uh, as, as other people saw the crowds. When he saw them, he saw their lost souls. He saw their, their pain, their hurt, and he had compassion on them, as it says. Um, <clears throat> when uh, the disciples are there with him, and I imagine the disciples even at the scene don't uh, see the crowds in the same light uh, if we look in later chapters uh, in Matthew, if we look at uh, chapter 14, we see that the disciples are trying to send crowds away because they, because they think, oh, the crowds are hungry. They need to eat. They need to go away and go home and eat, which I really think uh, that they were the ones who are actually hungry and they wanted the crowds to go away so they could uh, get some food and eat. And then later, in chapter 19, we see um, people are bringing young kids to Jesus, and the disciples are rebuking them and saying, hey, send your kids away. Um, at this point, the disciples are not seeing people as Jesus saw people. 
they aren't having compassion on people like Jesus is. Um, they're, they're still thinking about themselves, even as they work with Jesus doing ministry. Uh, so they, they, they're not getting what Jesus' mission is. Um, they have yet to see as Jesus saw. They have yet to have real compassion. Um, I don't know about you, but it's often that maybe I'll see a homeless person or somebody else who kind of needs help. And um, in that moment, I feel, I feel pain for them. I feel compassion for them. But really, it's sad because a lot of times that compassion rarely turns into action. There is a Chinese proverb, Ge'an Guang Huo. Um, in English, it's separate banks observe fire, uh, which basically means you're standing on the other side of the river watching the fire burn on the other side. Or in other words, you see someone who needs help, but you refuse to give help. As Christians, we should see the fire that's burning, the souls that are burning around us, and we should we should, shouldn't be standing on the other side of the river knowing that their lives are, are going towards destruction. Um, we need to go out and share God's word with them, minister to them, have compassion on their souls. Um, so if you're, you're taking notes, I'm going to try to keep the notes real simple. The first point is see people, and under that is turn compassion into action. There was an experiment called from Jericho, uh, from Jerusalem to Jericho. It was by John M. Darley and C. Daniel Batson at Princeton University. What they wanted to do, they wanted to do the Good Samaritan test. So they took a group of students and gave them a survey to kind of see um, their beliefs uh, and different things about them. And then what they did is they meet with these students and give them a task. And part of the task was they had to go to this other building to do something. Um, and uh, some, some, one of the tasks was they had to uh, share the Good Samaritan story. Um, other tasks varied between uh, other different things. But in this process of going from one building to the other building, in their path, they cross a man who was kind of hunched over and uh, coughing, moaning a little bit. So they wanted to test if these students, these seminary students would stop and offer this man any sort of help. Um, but there was a little twist. They gave these students different um, forms of urgency. Um, so some of the students, they told them, hey, you're already late. We need to get you over there as soon as possible. Others, maybe they had plenty of time to make this trip to this other building. Um, so th throughout this experiment, overall, they found that 40% of those seminary students offered some sort of help to this man. Um, but when there was extreme urgency, the, the percentage went way down to only 10% of the people were willing to offer help to this man. I've noticed in my own life, when I feel like I'm busy or have something to do, I rarely take the time 
to help those around me. Um, and often what I'm busy, uh, often the thing that I feel busy about really isn't that important, especially not nearly as important as taking time to try to help someone and possibly even get the opportunity to share the gospel with them. So uh, sub point two, are we too busy to help others? How, how are we as a church seeing the Orangeville community this morning um, throughout this week? Are, are we moved when we see those around us that are hurting in pain? Are we taking the time out of our busy days to take those opportunities to minister to our community? Um, or do we have two important things to do? Now I understand sometimes we do really have important things to do, um, but let's evaluate how important is the things that are keeping us too busy to minister to other people. Can we try to see people as Jesus saw people? Can we value people as Jesus valued other people? We go to church every week, listening to sermons, striving to become better Christians, to know God better. But you, the best way to really know God better is to interact with other people. And um, when you're out there in ministry, that's when you're really going to grow the most because you're going to be challenged. People are going to ask you questions and you're going to say, hey, I don't, I don't know the answer to that. I need to study God's word and come back and give you an answer. Um, or you might be struggling with some really uh, emotional pain through experiences you have working with other people. Um, and that will challenge you. Um, but that, that's when you're really, really going to grow the most in your spiritual life, when you're out there uh, serving others. Um, so let's move on to part two, and that is do ministry. In verse 37, it says, Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. I want us to think about that phrase, the harvest is plentiful. We live in a world full of people that have yet to have a relationship with God. Um, full of people depressed, uh, in pain. Uh, they feel abandoned, unloved. Um, but God is working in many of their hearts. He is preparing them. Um, we, we, I don't know in all the ways God is preparing them, but... Um, and we don't know where people are at in their spiritual life, but God is working on their, on their hearts. In John 4.35, it says, Do you not say, there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. So under part two, uh, point two, you can put, God is already preparing people. <clears throat> Honestly, not once in my life have I had to pray to God and ask him to bring me more people that I can share the gospel with. I can open my, my windows here this morning, and I live in a city filled with people that need to hear the gospel. My job is never, is never done. Actually, missions is a great career because uh, there's great job security. <clears throat> it will, there's always babies being born, always new people. There's always people that need to hear the gospel. Um, so next point is there will always be people who need to hear the gospel. 
Uh, in this verse, we can see Jesus changed metaphors. First, he was referring to sheep, and now he's referring to harvest. Um, so these two metaphors deal with sort of two different matters. The sheep uh, is showing that the shepherd um, going out, it is God seeking out the lost sheep. <clears throat> but then if we look at the harvest, it's sort of man's responsibility. Um, man is the labor going out into the harvest. Um, so it, show, it shows how God is using man here. You know that there are a lot of people just waiting for God's servants to go show them love, to go share the gospel with them. Many are afraid to come to our churches. Um, maybe they've had bad experiences. Maybe they've heard about bad experiences. Uh, they might not understand the culture of the church, so they're afraid. Um, they don't know what it's like there. So we, we, we need to stop waiting for people to come through our doors, and we need to go out and, and find them. We need to show them that we care enough about them that we're willing to go where they are to share God's word with them. That's something about ministry as programs uh, to get people in the church and start thinking about ministry as how we bring, um, <clears throat> and let's start thinking about how we can bring the gospel to the communities to get people into the church. Um, so on your notes there, you can write, take the gospel out, bring believers in. Can you imagine if we started a business and we didn't advertise. We rented a place, uh, uh, we rented a storefront. We didn't put any signs up. We don't put any advertising. How do we expect to get customers to come in? No, we have to go out, we have to advertise, we have to share, get the word going around about who we are and what we're about, what our product is. Um, it's really great that we have a church like Orangeville Baptist Church. Uh, back in when I was in 11th grade, my parents were looking at moving to the west side of Michigan. And in this process, the main, the, the main reason for deciding where they wanted to live was based off of churches in that area. So my parents actually decided to move to Plainwell just because they knew Orangeville Baptist Church was a great church that was Bible-believing and focused on, on missionaries and ministry. So I really appreciate everyone there at Orangeville Baptist Church and how you do value ministry. But um, as Christians, it is our job to bring the gospel out into the community. Uh, we can't rely on our pastor uh, our deacons to do all that work. We need to make sure we're involved in that. Um, it, they, they can't go to where we work. They don't know our friends. They don't know our neighbors. They don't go to the schools that our children, that our children go to. Um, so we need to make sure that we are putting responsibility on ourselves to be going out and sharing the gospel. It is our pastor's job to equip us and prepare us for that task. Um, and it is our job to execute it. So are you doing that? Are you relying on the programs in your church to bring out the gospel? Or are you bringing the gospel out? In Asia, um, tea farming is huge. Uh, in Taiwan specifically, we produce 20% of the world's uh, oolong tea. If you don't know what oolong tea is, that's okay. Um, we also produce many other kinds of tea here. Um, 
And uh, the the tea, it has to be up high in the mountain where it is cooler. So tea farms are always kind of on the side of mountains and like terraces of, of sorts. And um, it's just rows of these bushes. Uh, so it's not very easy to get big machines up there to harvest um, all these leaves. And also um, big machines can often um, cause the tea to not be as good quality. Um, so, I, so in the mountains, they have uh, the workers, they have baskets on their back and they go around and they hand pick all, all the tea leaves. And it takes a lot of work, a lot of time. But there's one way to speed up the process, and that's what is with a hedge trimmer. But to do that, you need two people. One person to stand on one side of the bush, the other person stand on the other side, and they both hold the hedge trimmer and go along the top of the bush with a vacuum that sucks the tea leaves in. Now, um, I'm no farmer, but I imagine many of you in Orangeville uh, are farmers or you um, have neighbors who are farmers. You see fields all over the place. But you imagine if you had to harvest that whole field by yourself, it would be impossible. Or even just with a few people, you would never get the work done. Um, so if we look at the next verse, uh, it says, therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. That's verse 38. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. This verse is really interesting to me. Um, often when we um, are preparing for ministry, what we think about most to pray for, what we usually think about is, hey, let's pray that um, these children, the people we're going to, that their ears will be ready, their hearts will be open, that they'll be willing to hear the gospel today. And that's great. There's nothing wrong, wrong with praying for that. But this verse doesn't focus on that, which is really interesting to me. It focuses on a different need. It focuses on the need of, of laborers. It says, pray for the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. It's the Lord's harvest. He's already preparing it. He knows the timing. He's, he's already working in people's lives. And uh, it's, it's the, the laborers that we're lacking, not people that uh, are waiting to hear the gospel. So harvest is prepared. Uh, what we need is laborers. So um, part three, you can put uh, pray for laborers. And under that, in your notes, you can put there aren't enough laborers. Um, when you're involved in ministry, uh, you begin to see what the real need is in ministry. Um, when you look at it from a distance, you maybe don't see those things. But uh, as a missionary in Taiwan, one of the things I pray for more than anything else is for Taiwanese to become missionaries. If only there was more Taiwanese willing to be missionaries, I could do so much more. Um, God could use our ministry. It, it, we could reach so many more people. But I'm very limited with, with, uh, with the amount of people we have and the ability to go out into the harvest. Um, 
One of the, the biggest problems in Taiwan is many of the children are raised being taught that the big, most important thing in life is how much money you're going to make. Uh, they, they focus on education so much. Kids go from, to school from like 7 to about 5 o'clock every day, and then they have a break, and then a few hours later they go to uh, more specialized schools for two or three hours. Um, so they're gone all day in schools. Uh, so they really value their kids getting a super good education so that they can have high-paying jobs uh, when they're older. Uh, during summer camp, we have an awesome opportunity because we have these um, Christians and non-Christians, new believers that come through our program, um, our English program, and they're learning God's word. And through that, they begin to be inspired um, to do something more for more work for God. So after they come through our program, they have an opportunity to join us for summer camp and do ministry for the summer. Um, so many of them are new believers that became believers through our program. Some of them are Christians that um, just weren't, uh, didn't know their Bible very well, or they weren't inspired yet. They weren't, um, they didn't have that love for God. Um, so they come to this program, and then we get them for the summer. So it's an awesome opportunity to train them and show them um, this opportunity to do ministry, give them a kind of a first taste for doing ministry uh, on their own. So as we work with them and train them, um, it's really cool to see how they grow throughout the summer. But then at the end of the summer, um, we always have a few people that just seem like they really, really loved it and they wish they could do more. Um, so I always invite them, that, hey, you want to be missionaries? Join us. We, we need more people who want to be missionaries. There's one guy in particular that worked really good with the children. I said, wow, he'd be such a great part of our, our team here at Word of Life. So I asked him, Ryan, uh, Ryan, if you could do anything with your life, what would you do? And he said, I would teach children God's word. So why don't you do that? I can provide ways for you to do that. And uh, he said, I would love to, but my parents want me to join the hotel business. They want me to carry on the business and work, work with the family. And this is a Christian family, and he feels like he can't leave that because um, his Christian family value that business more than they value spiritual um, uh, things that last for eternity. Um, but on the bright side of that story, uh, two, three years later after that experience, um, he came and visited me and he said, hey, the past, uh, the past fall, um, I went back and I'm working with my parents and I just noticed a need in my church. And um, I began working with the youth and the other guy there basically quit and said, hey, you know what you're doing? Why don't you take over the youth group? Um, so what he does is while he's working the front desk at the hotel, he's working on his messages. He's planning games. When customers come in, he stops. He works with the customer. And then uh, after he deals with them, he begins working on his messages and games for the week again. So it's really cool to see how um, God did work it out that um he can be a, a light in his community there. Um, so in your notes, you can say, what do we really value? What do you really value? 
Uh, C.H. Spurgeon said that verse 38 weighed on his heart more than any other verse in the Bible. He said that it haunted him perpetually. Um, another time after summer, I had a different Taiwanese girl come up to me. And she said, why don't Taiwanese want to be missionaries? So I asked her, I said, well, would you like to be a missionary and join us? And she said, no. And I said, well, that's why we don't have Taiwanese that are missionaries because they say no, they won't, they won't become missionaries uh, because they value their work or other things more. Um, so let's pray. Let's pray that God sends more laborers. Pray for Taiwan. Pray for the other missionaries around the world that there is locals that will choose to become missionaries or um, more people from around the world that will be sent to those locations. And pray for Orange Hill Baptist Church that you guys will be willing to go out as laborers into the harvest. So on your notes, you put pray to send me. Um, so let's learn to be in prayer to send out laborers, but also pray to God that God will use you to send out you, that you will be willing to go out into the harvest. Through the passages we read today, we see a model that Jesus shows us. Um, he sees the crowds. He has compassion on them. He didn't just see bodies or numbers. He saw people for who they are. He saw them as lost souls needing to know the gospel, needing love. Um, and his compassion didn't end there. It, it became action. Uh, now we can't heal people, but... Jesus's uh, healing was more more than just healing their their diseases. He gave them love, and he gave them God's word, the gospel. Um, he knew that what the needs were, and he went to where uh, the need, <clears throat> he went to where people were at. Um, but Jesus, when we look at his ministry, we think about him going out, but um, also Jesus. A big part of Jesus's ministry, I was preparing the disciples and, and the Christians in, in his uh, community with, with God's word. He was preparing them for when he left that they could go out and share God's word so that he was showing them how to see people and have compassion and turn that compassion to action. Um, so today we need to make a mental change like Jesus did in this passage. We need to see people differently. And not only that, uh, we need to be willing to go out into our community and to share the gospel, go out into the harvest. So I want to close with one of my favorite Bible verses. That is in Romans 10, verses 14 through 15. Romans 10, 14 through 15. How then will they call on him whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him who they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone, preach, <clears throat> without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those that preach the good news. Do you aspire to have beautiful feet? Let's pray. Dear Lord, uh, just thank you for this opportunity, opportunity to share today. Um, I love our family here at Orangeville Baptist Church, and I really appreciate their um, care for us as missionaries. Uh, I just pray that uh, 
we will um, hold on to this excitement uh, from these messages and um, that it won't just be something that passes by, but um, that we will, will have true compassion on people, that we will see them, um, that we'll see the need in their lives and we'll take the time to really care for people around us, um, something that's not always easy to do. I'll pray that we can take the time out of our busy schedules and, and see what, what is really important. Do we really not have enough time to, to care for these people? Or uh, are we busy with things that don't really matter? So just um, I pray for Orangeville as um, I pray for the Orangeville Baptist Church as uh, the Christians there. I pray for them to um, take this responsibility um, to serve you, Lord, to go out and share the good news with those around them. In Jesus' name, amen.